hands together. Ready? Hey, you. Hey. What? We're the mighty men of battle, C3. We walk in godly love and victory. Won't you come and worship him with me? And then you'll see it set you free. Ready? Hey, you. Hey, you. What? We serve a God that made all living things. Created in his image to be kings. His praises in our hearts make us sing. We give our honor to our king of kings. With a mighty man of battle of a T3. To be society tries to diminish our authority. That's why it's up to us to remember who King of Glory be. Jesus, without him, how could we expect to lead? To protect and provide for our families. And be patient with our wives, treat them like our queens. Have grace, cause without it, he wouldn't have died for me. Lord, we ask to keep operating in the Holy Spirit. But the time is we keep making this. We work in the eyes in the minute. Hey, you, what? With a mighty man of valor of C3. We walk in godly love and victory. Uh. Won't you come and worship him with me? Stay right there. Then you Won't you come and worship him with me? Won't you come and worship him with me? One more time. Won't you come and worship him with me? All right, give yourselves a hand. All right. Y'all did real good. So I want to get right into this. Is that okay? Can I jump right into this? So we, we all know we're here. This is the Men of Valor gathering. And I want to talk specifically about Jesus' model for a made man. Jesus' model for a made man. And um, when I begin to think about... Um, what I wanted to talk about today, um, I think it's important that we understand what we're made of. And, um, and I want to go into that kind of thing. So the first session we're gonna talk about is called, Whose Image Do You Bear? Whose Image Do You Bear? So let's go right into the Word of God. Let's, let's open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter one. We've already prayed, so I feel like we can just get right into this, all right? Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start reading verses 26 and 27. Uh, very familiar passage of scripture. Again, I didn't, I don't, I'm not preach. I don't want to sound preachy, don't want to preach. I just want to talk uh, because I truly believe that um, this is what men of God need today. I think you've been wounded enough. And uh, now we got to get our wounds healed so we can be about our father's business. Amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, we're going to read verse 26 and 27 very familiar so let me go ahead and start reading the bible says then god said let us somebody say let us let us make man in our image according to our likeness so this is uh most scholars would say this is referring to the trinity when he says let us father son jesus christ and the holy spirit because he didn't say let me he said let us um, i tend to agree with that theology he said let us Make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Somebody say dominion. dominion. Somebody say, I'm going to take dominion. God did not call you to be weak. First and out the gate, when God was talking to himself about us men, he said, they're going to have a takeover mentality. In other words, guys, you have been created to dominate every area of life nothing should dominate you you should dominate everything now don't get me wrong i'm not saying that you be need to be domineering but you need to be able to dominate over everything on the earth and the first thing you need to dominate is yourself Amen. right so don't think that i'm saying that you got carte blanche to dominate over people or your wife because I got another message for you a little bit later on about that. But right now, we're talking about self. Somebody say, he's talking about me. 
Okay, so we're talking about each other now. We, I'm, I have the ability to dominate every area of my life. Drugs will not dominate over me because God has given me the ability to dominate over drugs. Alcohol tried to dominate my life until I learned that God has given me dominion power to defeat that alcohol problem that I had. Come on, somebody. In your life, it might have been drugs. It might have been lust. It might have been women. It might have been a career. But whatever it was that took your focus off of God, God says, I called you to dominate that area in your life so that you can take control of it. Amen, somebody. All right, all right. I want to make sure that God set this thing up. Okay. Let me read a little bit more of this book. He said, I call you to dominate, to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on it. You should be man dominating over every creeping thing, even if you used to creep. Come on, now. See, I I grew up in the inner city, so you know what this is going to be like, right? So you're going to hear some ghetto today. Amen. And if I get if I get too ghetto fabulous, Richard, bring me back up so I can get a little bit more civilized. But but you're going to hear some ghetto fabulous stuff today because some of us in this room used to be the creeps. Talking about, girl, what you doing? It's 1130 p.m. You know what she's doing. She's in the bed. That's what that's why you called her. Yeah. I want to come over and talk. No, you don't. (laughs) <laughs> you want to come over and do a Bible study. You want to learn about the Lord. The Bible said lay hands. All right, let's get some more of this book. <laughs> Verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Say it with me. Male and what? Female. Say it again. Male and Say it one more time. There is distinctive. God is not schizophrenic. He knew exactly what he made. He made one man and he made one woman. Anytime you try to change that model, that means you have just put yourself in the place of God. He made a male and female. God knew exactly what he was making. We are all men in this house. Amen, somebody. Right? So God created us that way. Even in the anatomy, the way he created our bodies, he created us to have power. The way you are built, you are built to have power. When, when time, when that time comes, you know you got the power. Come on, somebody. You know, I'm like, man up in here, right? He created you to be that. Why? Because there is no life in the womb. Life cannot even hit the womb until the man penetrates the womb. Your seed brings life. Amen. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about that seed later on today, but I just want to set this thing up about how powerful your seed is because we need to be legacy building. And it's not necessarily your biological. We need to be planting seed in, these, in this younger generation. Come on. You see these guys hang with pants hanging down, just disrespectful. Come on, guys. That's black and white. This doesn't mean young, young black. No, that's white. I see them too. I want to slap all of them. But I know I had to, I'll catch a case if I do. <laughs> because, see, these young boys think they can roll up on guys like us and don't think we won't take their little behinds out. Yeah. No, you ain't going to roll up on me. You must have forgot who you're dealing with up in here. <laughs> Boy, I got more knowledge in my baby finger. I mean, I'll poke you in your neck so strong you won't. You'll be trying to catch your breath while you're trying to hit me. <laughs> Amen, somebody. And so we, we got to raise up this generation, guys. What are we going to leave this world to? That's our responsibility. Amen. Amen. Right? We can't just look back and say, somebody needs to do something. No, we need to do something. That's why you're here today, because I felt like I needed to do something. Because, man, if we can change the men, we can change every family. Are you with me here, guys? Can somebody say, come on now? Male and female created he them, then God blessed them. And God said to them, God blessed them before he ever said anything. Guys, before God ever says anything to you, he's already blessed you with what you need. But the problem is, we want God to say, God, okay, Lord, when are you going to give me something? God says, I already blessed you. Now I'm talking to you. I wouldn't be talking to you if I haven't given you what I already want you to do. God blessed them, and then he said, do something. 
So when you get to do something, you don't go to God and say, well, God, you haven't given me. God said, I already blessed you. Amen. Is this making sense, guys? So the problem is not, God, have you, have you given it to me? The problem is, God, are you willing to be obedient to it? Because the obedience comes not out of you seeing everything happening. The obedience comes when you don't see. God, I don't have enough money for this. I don't have enough education for this. God, who am I going to get in contact with? All of those questions come, but God said, I already set it up. I just ask you to be obedient. Amen. Check this out. Then he gave the five dominion mandate. He said, be fruitful. This is not just having sex, guys. Being fruitful and multiplying is talking about if you, if you got something that you know how to do and you do it well, keep doing it, and then you multiply it. <laughs> Whatever your gift and talent is, do it, do it well, but then multiply it by teaching somebody else. Be fruitful, multiply. Are you seeing this, guys? That's just two. And then he goes on to say, um, and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion dominion over it subdue and have dominion subdue the word subdue in the hebrew is the word kabosh that means that you can conquer it kabosh guys you have the dominion to kabosh anything in your life you can subdue it and then you can have dominion over it take control of it so you can conquer it and you can control it he gave you that in genesis so you can never say, I, I just don't feel like I can defeat this. Oh, yes, you can. Because right. he already blessed you to conquer it to, and to control it. Amen. Now, again, he's talking about me now. He's not saying you can conquer and control somebody else. Amen. Because, fellas, don't take this wrong. You go to your wife and your girlfriend talking about, well, the pastor said I can conquer and control you today, girl. That is, you lying. We're going to get into that a little bit later because there are some issues that we're dealing with here, that we got some brokenness inside of us, and we're portraying that on our brides. No, we're going to, wow, you can say, wow, come on now, we're going to get into that too. It's all right, right? So that's all I wanted to read there. So let me do two verses in chapter 2. Drop down to chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. I think it's uh, so apropos to say that too. So chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. 7 says, now in, in chapter 1, he talked about let us make man. He began to speak to himself about himself for himself. Then in chapter 2, verse 7, and then it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of zoe, the breath of life, and man became a living nephesh. He became a living soul, a living being. And look at verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. One of the things we're going to talk about, guys, later on is Adam was not created in Eden. We just read it. Adam was formed, then he created Eden, and then he put Adam in Eden. I got some ums and some um hum and an and a amen. Yes, sir. Adam, verse 7, was formed. Verse 8, Eden was created, and then he took Adam that was formed outside of Eden and put Adam in Eden. And what you need to understand is Adam was created in the wild. Guys, we were created to be wild. You're trying to figure out, why am I so wild, but then I go to church and they want to make me so weak? Because you were created in the wilderness. Amen. All right, let's get into this then, guys, because I think y'all ready to come up on some stuff. So let's talk about it for a second. Many people have been asking me, where are all the real men? And I've been, I've been, yeah, yeah, y'all right here, right? <laughs> Where are all the real men? Yeah. You're right up in here. And so I've been, I've been interviewing a lot of women, black, white, young, older, married, unmarried. I've been interviewing women about what kind of man do you look for? What is the ideal man for you? And so they've been giving, I've been process, processing on all of this stuff. So they've been giving me a lot of great feedback. So when this question came about where are all the real men, Pastor, can you tell me where the real men are? Or can you just get these men ready? Because they just don't seem like they're ready for me. And so 
Inside, guys, inside, I, I did have the propensity to respond this way. Well, you want to know where all the real men are? The world is trying to make them into women. Now, I, I did come to talk to a group of men, right? Yeah. Oh, so you notice I'm standing flat-footed. So we got to deal with this subject. We got to deal with this subject. That's why I want the young boys here, because they need to know that they are boys. Hello, somebody. I'm not stuttering. I am mad at this infeminate spirit that's gone around the world that's trying to emasculate us as men. And it takes a man to raise another man. Mamas can do really good, but it takes another man to be involved in that young man's life to bring him up to be a man. Some of you were raised by your mother. She did a wonderful job. But a woman can do the best that she can. But guys, every man needs another man. Now, you can think that you're all right. You can think that you're tuning along. But a lot of times, you might be tuning along thinking that everything is good, and you might not even know your marriage is on the rocks because you don't need anybody. You don't need anybody telling you anything. That's pride because you know it all. The moment you think you know it all, that's pride. How do I know it? Because I was right there. Thought I knew it all. Didn't need a man for anything, and my marriage was falling apart. And I didn't know. Everybody else knew it. I didn't know it because I'm too busy being prideful. Amen. And then when she gave me that great revelation, I'm like, what you talking about, girl? Everything is good. Amen. No, baby, you just don't know. I almost took her out of here yesterday, and we almost was gone. What? You see? It's easy to point out the failures in other people, but what, else, what about our failures? As boys, guys, we were always competitive, weren't we? We had to win. I am not lying. I was not fast, but I wanted to win. I ain't lying. I hated the brothers I raced with because they were always faster than me. But I always had a desire to win. If I was sword fighting, I wanted to take that brother out. Right? Isn't that in us, right? We became young men. What did we do? We started running track. Playing soccer, baseball, football. What do we want to do? We want to score a touchdown. We want to hit that joker so hard that we won't get up. Yeah. 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 Amen. Soccer. You want to, man, you want to hit that ball and you're like, man, you, you know you can't handle this. I got some foot skills, right? But that's, that's that competitive nature in us because we want to win. Why? Because God gave us dominion power. He gave us that wildness inside of us so that we can become winners. Everybody's not supposed to get a trophy. Somebody's going to lose, but when you lose, that creates something in you with the impetus to say, I'm going to do better. But if everybody are winners, what is the impetus to do better? And then as men, all of that changes, but we're still competitive, right, guys? Now we go from, from wanting to win the race. Now we want that career. We want to start that business. We want to get that education. We want to get that promotion. Man, we're driven. We got late nights of studying, late nights of doing things. Why? Because we got that drive to do better. But then you turn on TV commercials and you look at movies and then you look at social media and the only thing you see is men are weak. We're punked out. We don't know how to make decisions without our wives. Come on, bro. Are you kidding me? I can make decisions. I do make decisions. So commercials, all that stuff, what you're trying to do? They're trying to masculize us. They're trying to, they're trying to masculate us, and they're trying to dumb us down because of this Me Too movement. Now, let me just say something right here, because I know this is recorded. You cannot criminalize the masses for the few. If you compare the amount of men that are perverts and doing those kinds of things to the men who are not, you can't even hardly compare the numbers. So you, the Me Too movement, I agree that these men need to be caught. They need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But don't dare point your finger at all men to proclaim that all men are just like these few men. Because I got to tell you that that is the spirit of the liar. He's the father of lies. And he's trying to create this infeminate spirit in all men. Because the enemy knows if he can take the man out of the house, he can create an atmosphere that the family will fail. Our biggest problem in the black community is not white cops. It's the lack of fathers. 
And I'm going to tell I'm going I'm to talk the truth today because I'm not afraid. It's the lack of fathers. That's the problem, guys. But what are we going to do about it? We're going to sit back, point fingers, and then we get all enraged when something does happen? What are you doing when nothing is happening? Nothing. Right? So this is what this form is all about, guys, so that you might have a young nephew. You might have a young man down the street that you might be able to go to him and say, you know what? I know you don't know me. I'm your neighbor, but I just see you have a young man. I, I, I just truly believe I got some, some nephews. I got some friends. We're going to get together. I would love to take your son. I know you don't know me, but maybe you can get to know me because I really would like your son to hang out with some of my nephews and hang out with me. I don't know if his father's in his life or not. Matter of fact, that's not even relative right now. I, I, I just see him out here playing, and I feel like I need to do something. Right, guys? Don't just look and go, I can't believe that young man is doing that. Man, do something! Maybe you're the one that God wants to be in that young man's life so that he can have something to look up to, that he can have some man to look him in the eyes and say, you know what? You can make it! You are not the sum total of what this world is trying to tell you who you are. You can make it, guys. I came to tell every one of you, you can make it. The world don't define who you are. God defines that. Within every boy is a masculine heart screaming to be turned loose. And the problem is, guys, we never grew up. So now we're grown men still waiting for that masculine heart to be turned loose. And then by the time you figure out, man, I'm ready to turn it loose, then here comes the church to tell you, no, you got to put that back in the box. So I'm not just talking about culture. I'm talking about what church has done to men. Like they want you to be nice. Oh, man, you got to stop cussing. You got to stop doing this. You got to stop doing that. Got to stop doing that. Got to stop doing that. And then you somehow reach this euphoric understanding of what a Christian man is. So let me, let me ask you something, guys. How many of you growing up ever had this question in your mind and you just thought this? You know what? When I grow up, I think I just want to be a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think when I grow up, I just, I just want people to say, he's a really nice guy. How many by show of hands that just had that thought? Just one. He's not a man yet. <laughs> you did. You just wanted to be a nice guy. Well, you're one out of... What, 60 men here, right? And that's, no, that's not a problem. It, it, it's, it's this is the problem. I never had that. I never really said to myself, I just want to grow up and be nice. I, had, I said I want to grow up and be strong. I said I want to grow up and be successful. No matter what it was with career, uh, sports. You know, most of us here were very good at sports. Come on, guys. You know, you might have been a great chess player. Uh, whatever it was, you were good at it. And, you know, you said, man, I want to be better at it. That's usually the case with most men. But then when you come into an atmosphere that says, well, wait a minute, I'm going to redefine what a man is. And I'm not talking about the world now. Now I'm talking about the church. So when you look around at the men in the church, what do you see? What do you see? When, what I saw was... Men that felt like they just felt like they were out of touch with who they really were. Like they were trying to search where they fit in because they didn't want to be disrespectful because they were wild. Oh, my God. Am I talking to the right folks right now? Right? You, you know you wild. You came in there wild. Amen. You, you still wild. I'm wild. My wife will tell you that. I want wild. At home, I'm different. I'm in front of the church. I'm a I'm boy. <laughs> I'm fuck wild in my house. My wife will tell you, that rascal right there, that brother is crazy. I am. I'm not going to get saved and not stop being crazy. Oh, no, no, no. Everybody in my family knows. Don't mess with John. You tick him off, that brother going to go off. Amen. Now I just go off in a Christian way. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, somebody. Now I had to temper that thing down, right? But what I had to learn was God gave me a personality. He gave you a personality. You are the way you are because this is how God created you. And you can't let the church or the world to punk you out on who you really are. You are strong, virile men. 
God wants strong men in the house of God. He does not. Listen, when you walk in a room, people might not even know your name, but when you walked in, you just took control. This right there, that's, that's about attitude. But you walk in the room, people in there, you know, people that's got these big positions in the room, like I'm always around people with the big positions because of my position. And you walk up in there, oh, hey, how, how are you? And you sit down and you just a little old broke down nothing. <laughs> Amen. Never, never. I'm always in board meetings with people, different meetings with people, usually CEOs, VPs because of the position I'm in. And when I walk in there, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm John. How are you? Oh, well, I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm the VP of blah, blah, blah. I, tell, I call their first names out again and say, hey, Harry, how you doing? Come on, bruh. I'm like, look here. Uh, you might have that position, but I got the power. You know? And you know why I got the power? Because I walked in there with Jesus Christ in my heart. Right? And because I'm submitted to him, at some point, he's going to bring you in submission to me. I don't have to, you don't have to work for it. God is going to do it. You go in there and do the job that you're hired to do and then give 10%. Yeah, did you hear that? Don't go in there and half do the job. You go in there and do the job and then 10% give God a tithe on your work. And God will bless you. Okay. All right, let's keep on talking about that other stuff, Pastor, because I don't know about all of that stuff right there. Man, after all the chasing, the studying, the planning, the strategizing, and the long nights, we're still searching for the answer to the question that nags most men at night. And that question is this. What makes you really come alive? You're going to have to answer that question, guys. And it can't be a woman. Because if it's a woman, you're going to be let down severely. What makes you come alive? I had to ask myself that question. Because when I looked around, I was like, these brothers don't look like they're living. They're alive, but they don't look like they're living. And I'm going to tell you guys, it was a struggle for me when I first became a Christian. Because I didn't want to change my personality. I like to laugh. I'm adventurous. I like doing things, and man, I just didn't see that in the guys. They just felt like they were just so defeated and deflated, and I couldn't understand that. And then this is the question that came to me, guys. God said to me, but John, what are you going to do about it? Because, see, I was a new Christian, baby Christian. So as a baby Christian, I'm sitting here like, did I, just, did I really just hear that? Because, you know, God, you know I just got saved, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, did you forget that, you know what, I, I just, uh, I'm just coming into this thing like two or three weeks ago. So I'm still on the fence about this Christian thing. And then I hear his voice. Not an audible, but a knowing. Come on, guys, because I very seldom hear an audible voice of God. But I, I always hear this knowing. I got this knowing. But when I hear his audible voice, it's like clear. Boom. But that's, that's few and far in between. Most of the time, it's an unction that I get from God. Right? Let me just be honest. I'm a pastor. I don't hear God's voice every day. Not like that, guys. Not like that. I hear him on the inside. He's, he's tugging at my heart. He's, he's, he's showing, don't go that way or don't say those things, especially with my wife. And so he's saying, come on now. Am I talking to the right church up in here? Because you're ready. You're like, girl, are you? And the Holy Ghost said, boy, bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. You know this thing ain't going to end well. You know it. You know it. The Holy Ghost is trying to help you. But we have to calm down enough to hear the Holy Spirit because, you know, as soon as you get it off of your tongue, here comes that escalation, and you know that night ain't going to be good. You might as well just go to sleep. <laughs> ain't. There ain't going to be no manhood going on that night. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Bless the name of Jesus. What stirs your heart, guys? What lights your fire? And again, it can't be a woman. What catapults your endorphins into overdrive? 
What excites you like that? Something, an accomplishment, things that you can do. Um, I love movies. How many of you guys love movies? I love movies. There's a, a great movie called Braveheart with Mel Gibson. And there was a great quote he said when he was in jail. He said this. He said, all men die. Few men really live. All men die. Few men really live. So listen, I want to take the time to do some group talk. All, think about that statement. All men die. Few men really live. What does that mean to you guys? What does that mean to you? Max has mics. I want to make sure that when you speak, we get on the mic because we are recording. What, what does that mean to you, Richard? All men die. Few men really live. Because few men actually really do exactly what they want to do in life. That's what it means to me is the fact that, you know, you live, but, you know, I mean, you, you're a awake, <laughs> uh -huh. but you're not really living. You're not really doing what it is that's in your heart to do. Amen. Amen. Good, good. What else, guys? Come on, talk to me. Talk. What does that mean to you? Can I get somebody to help Max? We need two people. I got it. What does that mean to you, Evan? Um, you make few men really find out and fulfill their purpose in life. Why is that, you think? Um. <laughs> I know I put you on the spot, but there are no wrong answers. I just want to hear your heart. It could just be um, you have to you have to one be walking with God to really find and fulfill your purpose. Bam. Mm -hmm. um, and two, it's just it's it's something that you have to. It, it's it's not easy to find your purpose in life. Mm, that's good. That's good. Anybody else, guys? Few all men die. Few men really live. What does that mean to you? Yes, sir. You know, give me your name again. Larry. Larry. What does that mean to you, Larry? Um, our focus is wrong. We focus on things and money and and power and rather than what God wants for our life. Like going off what he said, you know, our, our focus is not what God wants for us, but what the what world we desire wants. Or yeah. the world wants yeah. for us. Praise God. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Larry. Anybody else? Uh, come on, Pastor Dorsey. I want to say that I think Miles, Mon Miles Monroe said it best. Many of our dreams are in the grave when we don't walk in the dominion that God gave wow, us. Wow, 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 wow. Because when you look at the graveyard, you look, look at so many unfulfilled purposes and songs that were never written, uh, scores and basketball that never, songs, rap songs that were never created, businesses that were never started, treatments that were never discovered. Because all of that lies in the grave of men who didn't fulfill their true call in God. That's good, guys. I see a hand right here and one right here. Nestor, what does that mean to you? Living for the expectations of others and not what God has given to wow, you. Wow, in dreams wow, and wow, dreams. My, Nestor, that was mine. <laughs> I'm taking it back. Because <laughs> I, listen, guys, I wanted to please everybody. That, I mean, that's my, that was my problem. I wanted to please everybody. I didn't want to let anybody down. And in so pleasing everybody, I became who they wanted me to be rather than who God wanted me to be. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Right here. What, give me your name again, sir. Jim. 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 What does that mean to you? You got to follow the passion that's in your heart. And the most people try to shut you down from the little to the larger. And the men are not imparting that fire into the child so he can tell them to go for it. Right, right, so right. Agree. Start small because you get stuffed and smothered small. That's right. So, so we got to tell these young men how powerful they are. Yes. You gotta we got to tell them that God has a plan for their lives. Yes. That they're not here just to take up space. That God has a call on their lives. We got to tell this to all of these young men. Yes. And then we got to go a little bit further. We got to tell this to these young men. Guys, I'm talking about the fifth and over group. Amen. We got to talk to these guys to say, hey, man, I know where you are in life right now. You might not be where you thought you, you should be right now, but man, you can, you can overcome everything in your life, and I'm here to help you. If you need me to talk to you in the middle of the night, give me a call so I can help you. See, we gotta be a disciple. It's a person who's gonna be there for you when the times are good and times are bad. God never told us to go out and get people saved. He said go out and make disciples. To disciple somebody means you're gonna have to spend some time with them. That means you're not going to run and tuck your tail between your legs when they, when they mess up. All right, Michael, what does that mean to you? Well, what I see in both uh, young men in my generation and also in some men, they walk in the spirit of fear with everything and what they do. They're too scared to do it for what they have to do and what they know they have to do in order to help God My or please God. God in any way. They're just too scared at the moment. Man. 
Man, did he just hit something right there? Michael, let me tell you something. I'm 53. And I still have some areas of fear in my heart that me and God are trying to work out. I still have some areas of brokenness in my heart. I still have some areas of weakness in my heart. I still have areas that God is working on, right? So when you see guys up here talking to you, they're just as broken as you are. Amen, somebody, for all the preachers in the house, right? So I came to tell you I'm just like you. I haven't mastered this thing. None of us have. That's why we need each other. The pastors need you more than what they're letting on. Because these brothers are broken. You know pastors are, are committing suicide at such a great rate today is because they don't feel like they got people to back them up. They got churches full of people, but they don't feel like anybody has their backs. That's a shame, right, bro? I need you. I'm telling you right now, boy, don't turn your back on me. I need you, man, in my life. Yeah, I'm going to mess up. Yeah, I'm going to say some stuff you ain't going to like. Matter of fact, on purpose. Change come through conviction, and you're not going to be convicted unless I say some stuff you ain't going to like. Amen. Amen. And see, and you need a strong man to tell you that. You don't want some little weak joke up here. Um, open your Bibles to verse 2, and um, I'm going to talk to you fellas, and we're going to raise you up to another level. You're going to be like, bro, I'm out. <laughs> Amen. All right, give me some more feedback, guys. Go ahead, Thornton. What, uh, what does that mean to you? What it means to me is, you know, God created everything to reproduce after the seed it was created after. Mm. And if I will embrace myself, period, embrace myself and let myself grow, life always takes care of it. You don't have to mm. coax a blade of grass into growing. You don't have to coax a peach tree into groaning and making peaches. It automatically does it. Our problem comes in is when we compare ourselves among ourselves and we look at what stereotypes we are out there seeing, then we try to shift to be like something other. Ooh. We forsake the seed of who we are, and therefore we never produce. Wow. Did you hear that? We forsake the seed of who we are. Man, that's powerful right there. That is good stuff right there. See, you see why we need each other? We need this feedback. Right? I need this feedback because I, I got to look at, okay, guys, let me see what you're struggling with because I might be struggling with the same thing. And maybe I, we can talk to each other. Maybe we can hold each other accountable. Right? And then when you see the phone ring, don't say, no, nah, I'll talk to him later. Because that's what we have the propensity to do. We pose. We front. We're good at fronting, guys. We're the, we, we, are, we are experts at fronting. You want to be more than what you really are. Oh, we're going to talk about that a little bit, too. All right? Anybody else? Right here. Yes, sir. Give me your first name again. Donald. Donald. Donald, what does that mean to you? I don't know what Mel Gibson means, but to me is that, of course, all men die. Few men really live. And the few men that really live is the one that seek the wisdom of God. Mm. That's what I know. But all are going to die. Yes, sir. But those that live are the ones that anchored in Christ. Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Because, see, you can flip this one, right? You can say there are a lot of men have life, but are they really living? Right? Because you, you can be in the presence of your family, but do they know you're really there? You can act like you can demand something in the house, but do they really follow you? Because they're not following your demand, they're following your actions. And you can't go in and demand something you already forfeited. Jeff, what does this mean to you, bro? Um, I think it means that we a lot of times we settle for a living instead of settling to live or mm. for a life. For a life. Living, your career or different things that you do, yeah, you, you put that over really having life in God. Amen. All right. Anybody else before we move on? Yeah. I, yes, I go ahead, sometimes, sir. Sometimes uh, we just choose to do the safe thing because we're afraid we might fail and look Ooh, bad. Oh, boy. Man, oh man, oh man. Now, how many, how many would say, I agree with that completely? <laughs> Amen. Because, see, you want to be safe. Right? But here's the thing about being safe if you continue to be safe, you never take a risk. Following God is a risky business, guys. Because 
God is going to ask you to do something you know you can't do. It take a risk to get off of that boat to think you're going to walk on water. Bro, I ain't never, I know that's Jesus out there, but man, that's water. You know, that's pretty deep too, right? And Jesus said, come. And uh, if that had been John Lofton, I would have been like, go on, Peter. You asked him, you go on. on. <laughs> Amen, somebody. I know we read about that stuff, and we right now we say, well, man, I would have jumped off of that boat. No, you wouldn't have. The first time you ever seen a man actually walk on water, and then all of a sudden you got this great faith, you would have been just like them. Peter didn't even know it was the Lord. He said, God, if it's you. Okay, give me something else, because y'all going to make me start preaching. I don't want to do that. This, uh, give me your name, sir. Uh, my name is Gerald. Gerald, Gerald, what does that mean to you? I think this point has been hit on somewhat, but uh, we let people define what life is instead of grabbing hold of what mm. Zoe life, the life of God in us is. And uh, I don't see my God in the life. This Zoe life is with his fingers dropped down. Come on, I come mean, on, it's, it's come a, on. It's a powerful thing. Uh, it's a masculine thing. It is, and uh, we let we you know, we let others define that for us, and we let others uh, shove their political correctness. Come on, us. man! It's just come on. God's life is powerful. Yes, and the life He wants us to live is so far beyond what we're what we want to step in so many times because I, somebody may not understand us, somebody may object, somebody may be offended. Uh, I'm not talking about being offensive just to be offensive. Exactly, exactly, yes. But uh, to be that man that God's called you to be. Yeah. And to have his life in us. Yes, sir. And I, I, I grabbed hold of this years ago when my wife and I were struggling with marriage, and I prayed for reconciliation, and I prayed that we would come back together. And he said, why would I want to take you back where you were? Because it wasn't right to start with. Good let gracious. Me, let, me take, let me take you to where I want you. My restoration is different from yours. And the life I want to put in you and in your marriage is not what you want because you don't know. You've allowed so many other people to define that. My God. My God. Isn't that good, guys? Okay, so come on, give yourself a hand. Look at this, guys. Look at this. Churchmen have become like wounded animals looking for cover rather than the virile, exhilarating, and adventurous men God created them to be. It's like they go to church and they're just looking for cover, just looking for a safe space to do nothing. Guys, you would never admit, let me tell you something, I'm talking about the Christian guys. It's something, you might be here and you might not be a Christian, but I'm glad you're here. Because I do want to lead you to, to the man that changed my life, right? And so you'll have an opportunity to do that. But for the Christian guys, you were never meant to join a local church to do nothing. You got to look around and see, but what's missing? Then that's what I need to do. Is there paper in the parking lot? Is the church clean? You can do something. Guys, God called you to that place for a reason. That church needs you more than you need the church. Because if God talked to your heart to be there, he told you to do something, to be something, create something, even if it's not there. He gave you dominion power. Amen. And so, so look at this, look at this. In, in, in the, in, in, I was, I was, actually, I have one of my mentors is uh, Reginald Holiday, and we, we talk every week. And we was having this conversation because I told him how upset I was about culture and, and how they're trying to infeminize our men. And, and then when I kept hearing this, this term toxic masculinity, every time I heard it, man, my blood was boiling because I'm so sick of it because we, we, we're, we were created with a masculine heart. We, God created us to be masculine, guys. Uh, let me say that one more time. He created us to be masculine. Amen. He created us to be strong. Matter of fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says that, that the woman is the weaker vessel, where she's supposed to be. Because the way God designed us with our muscular structure, how we stand, everything, we're supposed to be the stronger vessel. When things fall, fall apart in the house, a man knows how to figure that thing out. Amen. Amen. When my wife gets to a point to where she's overwhelmed, she knows, well, let me take this to my husband. Yeah. 
Why? Because I have the ability through God to reason with things. I can see things. I can, not, my wife is very strong. She's very educated. She's a great woman. But there are some areas that I have to meet for her because she gets overwhelmed with it. Guys, you are there to help your wife process through some of that stuff. Amen. And he created you to protect her. And there are things that you got. You know how to figure that thing out. You go, baby, well, well let's do this right here on this one right here. But look, here, let's, let's, let's turn. Let's give them a call right there. Come on now. We're talking about when working our bills. That's when <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Well, hold on, baby. Let's give them a call and see if we can put that on the end because we don't have the money right now. Come on now. I, that's where I used to be. I'm not there now. But that's where I used to be. So I know how to work through stuff when my, my paycheck just wasn't enough. But you know what I said? I said, no, I'm not going to stay in this place. Why? Because he gave me dominion power to take over my life and to find out what God wanted me to do with my life so that it would bring income into my life. Guys, some of you are sitting in here on stuff that can bring income to your life and you won't do it because it's hard. Well, you were created to be wild. Go ahead and take that risk. Take the risk, guys. Amen, somebody? My brothers, we were called and appointed and made to be leaders. And so when me and Reginald were talking, he made this statement, man. It just made so much sense. He said, the culture is designed to create followers. Think about that. Look at social media. How many people are following you? But just because you got people following you don't make you qualified to be a leader. So that's the first thing. How many followers do you have? As like that is supposed to somehow uh, let us know how successful you are based on how many followers you got. But you may not be a leader. Right? Because the secret to our success is found in our daily routine. What are we doing daily is going to determine how successful we're going to be. Amen? So you want to know how can I follow God better? What are you doing daily? I want to be a better man of God. What are you doing daily? I want to treat my wife better. What are you doing daily? I want to be a better brother. What are you doing daily? I want my career to go to another level. What are you doing daily? But if you're sitting on Facebook for three hours and you don't have your face in this book, then you might be missing something critical in your life that you need. Now, guys, don't get me wrong. I know we get on Facebook. I'm not trying to, um, listen, I'm not one of those legalistic kind of brothers. I'm just saying, sometimes you can look at that thing too long, and you've wasted time, valuable time. I have wasted valuable time being on social media, me. And I get convicted, and I go, God, I'm sorry. Let me go ahead and pull this book out so that I can get something that I need. Come on, am I talking to the right brothers today? All of us, guys, we have to make sure that we understand some things. So let me get into this. Um, in the mafia, because we're talking about being a made man. So when this thing occurred to me, because I, I like movies, I watch a lot of movies. You know, in the mafia, when you are a made man, that means that you are now put on a position of authority. If anybody messes with you, They'll be at the bottom of the river with cement ankles bracelets. <laughs> Amen. As a made man, you have been found to be loyal to the family to a fault because you have been dishonorable to everybody else. You, you hear me here, right? Because you can't be a made man in the mafia unless you've been dishonorable. That's the world's oxymoron. We're going to make you because you've been bad. The Bible says, let us make man. The word make in the Hebrew is uh, the word asah. A-W-S-A-W, asah. I want you to know what this word means. Because when he said, let us make man, this is what God said. To, the word make means to fashion, to accomplish, to be done, 
to be produced, to celebrate. God said, I'm celebrating man. To ordain. Wow. To appoint. Man, you've been appointed. Matter of fact, God said, I handpicked you. You know, we were handpicked to be picked on. I hate that, but that's the way it is. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So he handpicked us to be picked on. Why is that the case? Because he knew you can handle it. See, this is why in a marriage, when somebody comes against your wife and you don't defend her honor, she's going to shut down on your behind. Trust me, what I'm saying. Me and my wife, we counsel people all the time. I'm telling you that, that if you don't defend your wife's honor in front of your mom and dad and your brothers and your sisters, you wait till you get home. I ain't lying. It, no, actually going to be in the car. So, so why are you not talking to me? Oh, now you want to talk? <laughs> now you want to say something? <laughs> you ain't say nothing in front of your mama. Right? Guys, I'm telling you something I had to deal with. I had to defend my wife in front of my family, especially my, my oldest brother who thought he knew everything. As a matter of fact, man, my oldest brother, oh, you know, I'm telling y'all this. My oldest brother, he, he just thought he just was the rooster of, the, of, of all of us boys. And, and, you know, and so he said something dishonorable about my then fiance. But what my brother didn't realize is he had not been around me in a long time. Right? And so I told my brother, I said, what did you say? I said, say it one more time. I did. I'm, I'm telling you guys the truth. I said, say that one more time. And my next brother says, Dwight, don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. So he says, well, well, we, we, we ain't going to start nothing because we was in my brother Willie's house. He ain't going to start nothing in his house. Let, let's go for a drive. I said, we're going to have to pull over. I'm telling you right now, you ain't going to be able to drive, bro. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? Why? Because I, I, I'm going to protect her honor, Amen. even in front of my brothers, my mama, and my daddy. The Bible says that a man leaves his mother and father and cleaves to his wife. That means, fellas, if you're not willing to honor that woman in front of your family, you're not, you're not, you're not really, actually, you don't deserve to have her. Right? Because a woman wants to feel protected. She wants to know you got her back. Amen? We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. I saw a hand. Yes, sir. Mm hmm. It is, brother. It sure is. Right? So here's what I want you to catch, guys. Man is a work of art from God, not molecules, monkeys, or macroevolution. You, you have to know this, guys. If you don't take anything away from today, I want you to take this away. You are a work of art from God. you got to know that about yourself. I'm a work of art from God. God I, I didn't come from monkeys. That's a lie, guys. You came from a creator. The biggest lie is the Big Bang. I believe there was a sound. I believe there was a sound. I, I, no doubt, I'm sure there was a sound because when he said, let there be light, I'm sure there was a lot of sound. There was a lot of noise, but I do not agree with Big Bang. I believe there was a bang. <laughs> right? But I just don't agree with the Big Bang. I don't agree that dirty water can create a brain. And because that goes against science, because anything that remains at rest, it tends to destroy itself. Without outside interference, it would completely destroy itself. Case in point, let me see if I can give you a natural example of a spiritual reality here before we go to the last thing. Um, how many of you guys like cars? You like nice cars, right? I like nice cars. Um, I can't afford the nicest ones I like, but <laughs> I drive a real nice car because I like them. So, but I can afford it. Amen. All right, let me make sure I say that, right? You, you get what you can afford, but get something nice. Right? You don't want a minivan. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. If you got a bunch of kids, you need a minivan. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> that might be part of the problem in this doggone minivan. <laughs> you just mad and vexed. Shut up back there. <laughs> Praise God. Sometimes you have to do that. So let's just say we go down the street here and we go get into a, a convertible Bentley. Nice car. If you never sat in one, I would advise you, go sit in one. It's not like a, a regular car, guys. When you sit in it, the leather kind of wraps around you. You, you, you smell, it, ooh, it just smells like, it smells like it needs to be yours, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this thing ain't dumb, man. This thing is the truth. Right? And you grab that wood grain wheel, and you look at all of that fine leather in it. He's like, man, this thing matches me. Right? Okay. I bring that nice car. I pull the top up. I roll the windows up, and I park it right out front in the parking lot, and I leave it there for 20 years. Okay. Right? It just sits there. Right? What's going to happen? When you come back, the tires are going to be rotten. Every hole's in it is going to be rotten. There's going to be dust. All, even though the windows are up, top is down, the top is up, windows up. There's going to be dust everywhere. The leather is going to begin to deteriorate. Why? Because that product without man has no value. We bring value to the car. The car doesn't bring value to us. Without man, cars would fall apart. Without God, man falls apart. Just like cars need us. What's that? I lost it. All right. Are we good now? All right, good. All right. That's a distraction. See how I got distracted? Squirrel! <laughs> it don't take much for a man, I ain't lying. <laughs> I could be shaving. My wife can ask me something. I gotta stop shaving. Say what? Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't. Don't be. I can't do more than two things. So, all right. So, what I'm trying to say here, guys, is you give value to things. Things should never give value to you. Now, listen. God does not mind us having things. Now, I, I don't believe in that prosperity message all the time, but I do believe God wants us prosperous. But I do also understand when God says, I want you to be rich, he's not necessarily talking about money. He said he wants you to be rich in him. But he does not mind you having money. Somebody say money. money. It's just money, guys. The Bible does say money answers all things. The love of money is where the problem is, right? So God does not mind you having a nice car, nice clothes, nice anything. He does not mind that, guys. He minds things having you. See, he can bless you today. He can trust you. Right? When, when I can say God loves me more than he loves money, that's why he gives me money. Was that too fast? God loves you more than he loves money, Evan. Therefore, he'll let you have money because he loves you. Amen. Right? It's the, somebody said they're just things. That's all it is. It's just things, just cars. So I wanted you to see the dynamics here. And here's the last part I want you to see. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 20, before we go on break, there is a passage in the scripture that I wanted to bring out. Uh, and let me paraphrase for the sake of time, because I wanted to take a break. This passage talks about there was one of the disciples of the Pharisees went to Jesus, and the conversation was around paying taxes. You guys remember this? Right? They tried to trick Jesus, right? Which they tried to do a lot, just like people try to trick you. And asking you stupid questions about, is God real? But you're going to ask me a dumb question like that? What do you think? Now, you know what? That's why I tell them. I don't answer questions like that. I don't have to because I know the truth. When people ask me those kind of dumb questions, what do you think? Is he real? Did he wake you up this morning? When was the last time you heard his voice? Well, I don't believe God is real. That's not what I asked you. When was the last time you prayed and he didn't answer you properly and then you got mad at him? Well, uh, I knew he wasn't going to answer my prayer, so he is real. <laughs> it don't take much, guys. It doesn't. You don't have to debate truth. I never debate. People always say, find out I'm a pastor in corporate America. First thing I want to do is debate. I'm, and I square them out. I don't debate truth. We can dialogue. 
but I don't, I'm not going to debate you. First of all, in my mind, I'm thinking, you don't even know enough to debate with me. So I just level set that stuff and go, no, I'm not answering any questions, but you're going to answer some questions for me because the person that asked the questions controls the conversation. You do that with your children. No, you ain't asking the questions up in here. <laughs> right? No, you, I, no I, you're answering my questions. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Hey, amen. So why? Because you take control of that conversation because you're going to ask the question. Uh, it's the same way in corporate America, guys. It's no different. I take control of the conversation. They don't even know what I'm doing. You control it. You got it. You know where it's going. You provide the answers that they need. If you don't have the answer, be truthful and say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that, but I will find it for you. Don't sit there and lie and say, you know, I think. No, you don't know. Just be truthful, guys, because that lie might be a $50 million mistake. Amen? All right? So he asked, Jesus took a coin, and he said, who's on this coin? And he said, Caesar, right? And Jesus could have fixed that for us. I wish... That's why I didn't write the Bible. I wish Jesus had just fixed it for Christians and said, we don't have to pay taxes. Get this! I would have been like, oh, yes! Right? Because every year, boy, that joker coming knocking on my wallet. Every year. You, you guys probably get checks. I can't even tell you last time I got a check. I pay that rascal every year. Every year. Mad writing that check. <laughs> you ain't done nothing for me. <laughs> and that woman, FICA, that chick takes all my money. And I look at my check, I'm like, who is this woman? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm just, I was on my soapbox for a second. So he didn't fix it for us. He, he did say we had to pay taxes. So he said what, guys? What did he say? Unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, and render unto God that which is God's. He asked him whose image was on the coin. I don't want to exegete this text, but I do want to take a principle from this text and ask you a question. When people look at you, whose image do they see? What image do you bear? Everything God created is a solution to a problem. Put your hand on your heart and say, thank you, Lord. I am a solution to problems. You know how to solve problems, guys. You just know it. You don't even know how you know it. You just know it. You're good at solving problems. Right? Am I, am I saying that? And is, is that truthful? You, you just, you have a way to effectively articulate what's going on, and you can process stuff. You can put stuff over here, pull that out. Boom, we can make this thing work just like this. Am I, am I right, guys? Because some stuff women will get upset about, they, oh, I just can't do it. You go, don't worry about it, baby. What you got? Right? But you don't lord it over them. Why? Because you're heirs together in this grace of life. Right? And so life, guys, will chase you down and try to destroy who you were created to be. But God, through Jesus Christ, will always come to your rescue. The enemy may chase you down and take us out when we, when we are most vulnerable. But the good news is when we just stand with God, he will always help us out. What did you see there? Yeah. Resist him, man. At some point, you got to stop running. He's going to strike. He's going to make you bleed. He's going to make you suffer. But the moment you get sick and tired of being sick and tired and you just stand your ground, God will stand for you. The image that you portray to other people is much greater than what people see in the natural. Why? Because, you know, every place you go and every time you face the devil, you got something greater that has your back. Whose image do you bear? 
Amen. I want you to think about that image the next time you're fighting something. The next time you know that the enemy has been scratching at you, gnawing at you. And you say, you know what? I'm not going to run anymore. I'm not running anymore. I'm going to face you on this one. I'm going to do what I need to do to make sure that I get through this and I got something greater than me that's going to help me get through this issue. So I'm going to trust him. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to put my trust in the Lord because he says, I'll fight your battles for you. Amen. Amen. Come on and give him a praise in Jesus name.